And I usually find for my first class in a series to be something like the bridge, to be like the bridge between uh, our daily life, our scatteredness, our confusion, our distraction. And I try to bridge the daily life um, over to something that feels a little bit more, maybe we could call like sacred or connected or collected, mindful, meditative. And um, just again, a show of hands, who's never meditated in their life? Okay. Who's meditated like a couple times in their life? Okay. Who would say they meditated often in their life? Yeah? Okay. When I started meditating, I would sit once a week for 10 minutes, like a thir every Thursday night. This is in college. Every Thursday night for 10 minutes. And, um, and it felt great, and I built a little corner for myself. In my bedroom, I got like a carpet from Home Depot and a little salt lamp and a little Buddha statue. So I built my little space, which I felt was really supportive. And uh, I sat in that space every week. And that was it, you know, that was enough. So I didn't overdo it. I didn't um, force any life changes on myself. I just kind of sat once a week for 10 minutes. And it felt good, and it felt important. And something happened that over time, I started sitting more often, more regularly, because I wanted to do it, because it felt good. And I kind of, as simple as that maybe sounds, want to give that to you as the first instruction today. That we are doing this, we are sitting in a way that feels good for us. We're practicing because we want to. This is not something that becomes a should in your mind, right? A new thing that you are supposed to do and that you begin self-flagellation if you do not do it enough or you do not judge yourself if you're not doing it right, that this is simply something that we are doing because it's enjoyable. And that's a really great and I would say important first relationship to build with meditation. So all we're going to really do is we're just going to kind of sit here and start to learn to be present with whatever is here, with whatever it is that we're experiencing, um, somebody mentioned like shutting off their thoughts, right? Having no thoughts, for instance. We, we often come to meditation with a lot of preconceived notions about what it is or what it should be or what it'll give us. Um, if I'm not having thoughts, I'm doing it right. If I'm thinking about what I need to buy at Whole Foods later, I'm doing it wrong. And I want to firstly kind of throw all misconceptions out the window. 
to, from the very, very beginning, let us all together humble ourselves, me included, to the fact that we don't really know anything, to the fact that we often stand behind and defend a mind and a perception and a body of knowledge and understanding that we cling so tightly to, and yet if we looked clearly, we could see that we're not really always fully happy in our lives. Some of us are actually quite depressed in our lives. That on one hand, we believe so much in our own experiences, what we think, our understandings of things. And yet if we really looked closely, we'd see that we really desperately also need help. And those two things are at odds. Um, I had a man once come to me and say, because uh, as a few people mentioned about the energy healings, he came to me and said, you know, I'm, I'm really depressed. My life is falling apart. I'm miserable. I'm in pain all the time. I need a healing. Uh, and I said, great, like happy to come over and do one. And he said, but I have a problem. And I said, okay, well, what's your problem? And he said, I don't believe in healings. I don't believe in energy work. And I said to him, well, that's fine. You don't have to believe in anything. This isn't belief-based. I can just come and do it. And, and he's like, yeah, but you know, I don't actually know if I want you to come and do it because I don't like, necessarily believe that it's going to work. And it was kind of weird for me because it's like, you know, on one hand, it's like, well, then, dude, why'd you call me? You know? But on the other hand, I kind of felt into it for a second. And I said, so you're depressed? And he said, yeah. And I said, you're really unhappy? Yeah. Your life's falling apart? Yeah. Okay, you need a change? Yeah. Okay, something's wrong? Yeah. So, on one hand, you're telling me that your current way of being, your current way of understanding, your current thought process is creating tons of suffering in your life. And on the other hand, you're telling me that you now want to defend your beliefs and stand behind what you think and how you think things are and what's right and wrong and you want to almost like fight me that like, well, I don't really believe in this stuff. So it's like the same thing that you're admitting is causing you problems is the same thing that you're defending and refusing to change. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So this is so fundamental to all of us to what it means to kind of be a person right now um, and it is so stupid and I think it's important that all of us arrive at that place together where we kind of like admit to ourselves that we're really stupid I do this all the time I often just look at myself I'm like man you're an idiot you really I don't know anything you know I don't know anything and the things that I think I know uh, I don't really like apply them like they don't actually coincide completely with my own experience of life and Today, especially I really got deep into that You know question. What is it that I actually know? And it came down to like well, I don't really know anything right all that I think I know it's thoughts books I've read other things people have said things that I've experienced through quite limited sensory organs like our eyes, right? We can only see like the color spectrum of like red to violet that's kind of this little hairline fracture in this 
huge array of possible vibrations that one could experience, that we are so limited and we all have such glaring blind spots. If any of you have a child or a partner or even a friend, and probably even more importantly, people who don't like you, they could probably see your blind spots quite well. And you can probably see theirs quite well. Um, it's hard for me, you know, I, after I left the monastery, I moved back in with my parents. And in a way, I had changed, but in a way, they could still very clearly see the kid who left home after you know, college and didn't come back. And they could see my bullshit right away. You know, they could see exactly the places that I hadn't changed and what was still there. You know, and I spent a lot of time, like when I was in the Himalayas, I, I went to India also after I left the monasteries there for like a year and a half. I went to Australia, meditated alone mostly for three months at a really beautiful center. When I was living in a cave, you know, I, and I lived in a cave in the Himalayan mountains for a couple weeks, and it was like really inspiring, and I was out near Kanchenjunga, which is like the third highest mountain in the world, and you know, and it was a really powerful experience, and every night I was like terrified because I heard all these noises, and I turned my flashlight, and it was just like a mouse or something, you know. And, uh, and I'd meditate, and it was this holy cave, right? So I felt like I was receiving all the spiritual information when I was there. And it was this like amazing thing. Um, and every day I was praying, you know, may all beings be happy, may everybody benefit from my practice, you know, enlightenment and all this. And, uh, and I felt like I was such a holy dude. And then I left that cave and I went back in the world and went home and, you know, got mad at my parents within like the first day and kind of saw, oh, okay, you know, it's easy to want all beings to be happy when you're alone in a cave. Uh, it's hard to want all beings to be happy when you're living with your parents again, you know? And, um, and that act of humbling ourselves, Right, being open in, um, in like either Japanese or Korean Zen Buddhism, they talk about beginner's mind. Right, like even these monks who have been monks for you know, 30, 40, 50 years, they sit to meditate with the mind that says, I know nothing, and they just allow themselves to be open to receive. So this, this openness is important. Um, and meditation, it's, it's one of the hardest things you can do. It's the most important thing you can do. It's also one of the hardest things you can do because you're working on your mind, but simultaneously you are your mind. Right? So how does that work? How can you work on the same thing that you are? It's like... What's me, what's my mind, right? What's me and what's my thought? The mind has this weird reflexive quality where it's like you can listen to a thought and then judge your thought and then judge the judgment of that thought. So it's like you're bending your consciousness into like all of these different folds that are all looking at each other and reacting to each other. Yeah, the mind is insane like that. You know, and simultaneously you can stretch that mind out so all the folds disappear, and then there's just the state of being. So when we're talking about, for instance, not having any thoughts, 
that's because the mind is just collected. It's just in one place. It's just aware. It's just here. And that's a state that all of us, even though some of us would say, like, my mind is never calm, right? My mind is always racing. I'm such a stress ball. I'm so hopeless. Whatever you say to yourself and your self-talk. I guarantee you that there's hundreds of times every day where your mind is blank. One of those times is when you're listening to people talk. For instance, right now, if as I'm talking, you were to watch your own mind, you would maybe see that in between the words that I am saying to you, there's pockets of space, silence. that a present mind is an empty mind. And the mind is present when it's interested in something. If something feels good, right? You taste a good food. You see an attractive person. You're watching a good movie, smell something nice. You first get into a hot shower or bath. Ah. That when the mind is engaged, when it's interested, it shows up effortlessly. So having a quiet mind, having no thoughts in your mind, is actually a byproduct. It's a symptom. It's a symptom of a mind that is happy. It's a symptom of a mind that is content. The mind that is collected and concentrated, that is a symptom of a mind that is happy. A mind that is open and trusting and surrendered. So meditation, it's not just about forcing ourselves to be here and be present. If anyone here ever went to school, which I'm sure all of you did, you'd know very well that any time a teacher tried to force you to pay attention to something that was not interesting to you, your mind would immediately go out the window. Yeah, same thing happens now if you're ever in a boring meeting or there's just something that's just not interesting. We daydream, we escape. Yeah? Likewise, if there's a situation that feels scary, stressful, out of control, your mind starts running, spinning, trying to find a solution, trying to feel security. So meditation, the way to meditate, it's actually a very emotional process. 
It's a lot about reprogramming our relationship to ourselves, to life, changing our habits, our tools. That you'll notice, for those of you that continue with this practice, that not only the more that you meditate will your meditation get better, which is the same with anything, right? The more you played basketball, the better your basketball would get. But you'll also notice that the more you meditate, the more that your life becomes manageable. Because we're working directly with the mind, and the mind is at the center of all of our experiences. So the better you become at meditation, it'll also directly mean throughout the day you'll feel a little bit more spacious, more relaxed. You'll have a little more distance. You will be a little less reactive. Maybe you'll be a little more aware. Maybe you'll listen to your thoughts and let them go or choose your thinking instead of believing whatever pops into your head is the truth or even your own truth. That when you meditate, when you start to work at this thing that's at the center of everything, of your own experiences, uh, it'll, it'll change your whole life. It'll really change your life and resonate into all corners of your life because it is all the mind. So, so we're working with qualities. We're working with programming. Yeah, we are all computers that have uh, too many programs running or iPhones with too many apps running. Yeah, so the phone's getting bogged down and it's confused. And we need to just start swiping those, you know, closing, 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 closing these programs. And maybe even writing some new ones, right? Changing our relationship to ourselves, to life, changing our thinking about things. And that's what we'll be doing here. I'll be giving you tools throughout the classes. Your questions to me and my answers to those will help with this reprogramming. Yeah, so I am here to brainwash you. That is my job, yeah? To take the parts of your thinking and your brain and change them around so that they're not hurting you anymore. So that they're leading you in the direction that you actually want to move in. Not the direction I want you to move in, the direction you want to move in. So the way that we're gonna meditate today is instead of trying, um, pushing ourselves, forcing ourselves, looking for some kind of like a goal that looks like uh, enlightenment or inner peace or whatever reason we're all here, right? That kind of place in the middle that we're all trying to get to. Uh, instead of thinking like, that's the place I'm gonna get today and if I don't get there today, then I've done it wrong or something we're gonna kind of reverse engineer the whole process and say we're gonna just start where we are. The path isn't out there somewhere, the goal is not out there somewhere. We're not trying to get somewhere. Enlightenment, peace, whatever, happiness, they're not things that like exist out there somewhere that I'll eventually get to. Yeah, happiness is not like an if-then kind of situation. I was saying to Shana earlier, it's like, you know, if I won the lottery, I would definitely be happy because, like, I know how to spend money well, right? I would feel good with that. 
right? If I win, then I'd be happy. And then I said to her, but also I feel pretty happy now with how things are. Because the way to become happy, the path to happiness, the path to peace, the path to whatever it is you're here today looking for, it's not somewhere outside of this very moment. It's not somewhere outside of this very experience. It's not different than your stress. It's not different than your anxiety and your worry and your feeling overwhelmed and your life falling apart all around you. That's not different than peace. Peace is in the fabric of that. Peace is right there in the fabric of it because it's not about changing life to be perfect, changing life that it fits you. Yeah, we're not going to sit in this room and say, man, if only it wasn't a little bit warmer, if those people outside would just talk a little bit quieter, if there was like a lamp that gave us a little more light, if my cushion was a little softer, if my back and knees didn't hurt a little bit so much, my mind could just shut up just a little bit, yeah, then, then I'd be happy, then I'd be peaceful, yeah? So we're never going to be able to control the world around us. We can create certain conditions to the best of our ability, like this group, right? We come and we sit in this place to get like a general quietness, but as you see, it's not perfect. There's even some weird sound of like the vents and stuff. You know, I lived in a cave in the mountains. I did my best, but it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. There's bats at night and stuff, right? It was kind of like, ugh, it's a freaking cave, you know? I thought I was just like going to be this cool meditation monk in there, and I was like running around terrified by mice at night, you know? So it's only going to ever really be just that much. And slowly you're going to start surrendering to the fact that however quiet or loud it is outside this room, however much my body's in pain, whatever my thoughts are doing, whatever my feelings are doing, whatever happened to me on the way here today, whatever's been going on in my life, none of it actually matters. Life will never be fully under my control. Life will always just kind of do its thing. And it's about how I relate to that. How is it that I look at life? How much of life am I surrendered to? Yeah? What can I control, right? There was the kids outside throwing the basketballs out the wall, and you went out and said, can you please stop, right? There is things to do. It's not like this passive, you know, Bob Marley kind of like, don't worry, smoke pot, everything's fine, just chill kind of vibe. There's a definite active role in it all, but we also have to see very clearly what are the boundaries. Yeah, I'm cold, so I'm putting on my clothes. I'm warm, so I take them off. I want to meditate, so I come to Seth Monk's meditation in the Acton School Auditorium. Yeah, you can do your best to you know, put yourself in the situations that you need and that you want. You can do your best, but then there's also a whole other side where we have to completely then just let go and allow. Yeah, if you sit down and we close our eyes and you have some pain or you're thinking or whatever, you're stressed, and you know for yourself there's nothing I can really do about that, then instead of saying, oh, meditation's not for me and running away from it, that's what a lot of people do, right? We run away when things get difficult. We run away if things aren't happening the way we want. Why not try changing your relationship? Yeah, I have thoughts. 
why don't instead of trying to control those thoughts, why not instead of listening and believing those thoughts, why not I just see them and say, oh, those are thoughts. Hey, thoughts, welcome. Come hang out with us. Yeah? Why don't I try not being at war with myself? Why don't I give myself a freaking break? Life is hard enough already. The people in my life are hard enough. The expectations are hard enough. Why do I need to be hard on myself too? If I'm here to relax, why don't I just relax? Yeah, by changing our relationship. You don't get strong by sitting on the couch. You get strong by going to the gym and lifting weights. You need resistance, right? So if your knee hurts and you can sit through that, you're building up some kind of a forbearance, a strength, a patience. But also maybe your knee hurts and so you move your leg. And what are you building then? You're building self-love, care, compassion, gentleness, empathy. That you can use every single situation, no matter what comes your way, as something that can work for you instead of waiting for something perfect to come by, because sometimes it's not going to. So for the meditation tonight, the way that we're going to do that, the way that we're going to change things and relate to things, is we're going to work on just being present. We're going to work on just being here with whatever's here with us. If we're sitting here and we feel stressed, if we're thinking a lot, maybe you fall asleep, maybe not, maybe you feel great and peaceful and happy and inspired. Whatever it is that comes your way, just kind of leave it, sit with it. Right? No judgments. We're not trying to get anywhere. We're just allowing ourselves, starting to build a new relationship to this moment, a relationship to our experience, where we slowly start letting go of control. We slowly allow things just to be. And maybe we'll realize that most of our problem has just been the resistance to things' existence because you resist the existence of something, maybe that's the only reason that you suffer. And maybe it's not about changing any of that stuff. Maybe it's about changing your relationship to it. Instead of building resistance to things that you don't want or grasping and yearning for things that you do want, maybe you can learn just to completely and fully be here with whatever's here. If it's a thought, okay. If it's a pain, okay. If I'm cold, great. If I'm tired, fine. Whatever comes, it's fine. It's good enough. It's here. No problem. So let's work on just allowing. Allowing things to be. Allowing this moment to be. Let's start to simplify a little bit. Allow yourself to feel bored. Boredom is just a crust that eventually breaks through on its own. Yeah, so there's really nothing more to do. And with that being said, I'll lead us in a meditation. So for our first meditation today, I want you all to sit in a position that for you feels comfortable and simultaneously that feels stable. Again, if you want a chair, you may grab one. If during the meditation you feel like you need to move at all, if you need to move a leg, if you need to shift, go for it. 
Yeah, so this is not a militant practice unless you want it to be. You can also try. You can see what that's like. But honestly, just allow yourself to feel comfortable. And if you do move or shift, just do it slowly, right? Whatever you do, you can do it with mindfulness, with a collectedness of mind. And uh, for those of you that really don't have any experience in meditation, it takes a little while to figure that out for yourself. You know, it takes us a while to find comfort, to find a sitting position that works. So just know that you're on a, a journey. So we sit in a way that feels stable, that's relaxed, effortless. And whenever we feel okay in that position, we can close our eyes.